Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. All right. You ready for the word? You ready for some prayer? <laughs> uh, we are continuing in our series entitled Core Values, and actually uh, this is part nine of that series. And we're sharing that during the summer, and I believe it's important for us to understand, you know, what is really relevant to who we are as a church. And at Refuge, our core values are based on Bible truth. And we ask the question, what are, what are core values? Well, they're really guiding principles that guide an organization, that guide a business, and how they deal with customers, how they deal with the community, how they deal internally with, with other people within the organization. And I believe my definition of core value is a, a belief, a conviction, or philosophy that is central to what we believe and how we live our lives to serve others. And that's really what it's about. And at Refuge, we are a place for people. That's our tagline. But I believe that as people walk through these doors, whether it's the first time or 125th time, our desire is that they have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And regardless of their background, their race, their social status, or any other thing about that person, our desire is for them to encounter a living God. And an encounter with Jesus does not leave us in our present condition, but I believe it results in change and transformation. And I am confident I can't change you. I can't even change myself a lot of times. I can make decisions that can lead to change. But Jesus Christ is the only one that is capable of truly transforming the human heart. Because, see, we're plagued as human beings with this thing called sin nature, the old nature that corrupts us. Even though we try to do good, we end up doing wrong. Even though we attempt to set out and do what's right, we mess it up. But only Jesus in our life can cause us to live right, do right, act right, speak right. And it's allowing him to do that work. And so it's giving place to Jesus and room for him. So refuge is a place for people. A vision at refuge, we believe that all people matter to God. This is a place where you can find authentic hope, love, and purpose through Jesus Christ. And I believe and that's, that's important for us to understand as a church. So far, and we have free podcasts online that you can download. You can listen to the previous message if you miss them. Uh, first core value is we are people who cannot be broken, a family that always forgives, peacemakers in a world at war, a body that when damaged will heal, a safe place for poor and for rich, a haven for those who are tired, a friend that will never grow weary. Last week, we talked about we are enablers for those who seek truth. And today, part nine, a journey that never grows old. Okay? And, and I love the song we sang, Faithful to the End, because it really, it really uh, speaks about what I'm going to talk about. It's really relevant and appropriate for this message this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather. We thank you for everyone, Father, under the sound of my voice. 
that is here to receive from you. And Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, an understanding heart to comprehend the scriptures and the truth. Father, I pray that you help me to effectively communicate the truth in your word. I'm not here to represent my own opinion, but I'm here to speak on your behalf. Guide me as I speak and share this morning. I thank you for receptive hearts that are open to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we realize that the Christian life lived out as God intended for us to live it should never grow old. It should never become dull, dry, or even some what we call sometimes familiar, that this is just the way we do it, same old, same old, same old. But I believe that the Christian life lived out the way God wants us to should be exciting. It, it should be something that captivates your heart with passion, with zeal, with greater love, greater understanding, greater revelation of your purpose. And for the reason that you're even taking in air and living on this planet. See, living life as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer, is exciting. It's not boring. It's not dull. And see, we have a personal relationship with the very creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who put this all, all together. And we have the privilege of actually knowing him in a very personal and intimate way. That's, that's so profound. Now, when we think about a journey, uh, the journey, actually, the word, it's not just a band, okay? <laughs> journey defined as travel or passage from one place to another. It could be the journey from youth to maturity. It means passage or progress from one stage to another, one stage of life to another. As Amy shared this morning, uh, she's going to be leaving singlehood, and she's going to be entering into marriage, which marriage can bring the best out of you, or it can bring the worst out of you, okay? That's full of challenges, but it's designed by God, and when you follow his principles, it will bless your socks off, okay? Uh, It's a blessing. I've been blessed to be married to this woman for 27 years. And guess what? We've had our challenges, but it always gets better. Amen. And I'm still in love with her. And she still puts up with me. So that's a, that's a pretty good deal. And I, she posts those pictures of me when I was younger. And you know, anyway, so, so who was that guy? Okay. I look in the mirror and I don't see that guy anymore. And she's still in love with what she has to look at now. Okay. All right. So did you ever go on a trip? Uh, I'm I'm speaking of a journey now, okay? It takes planning and preparation and, most important, a destination. Have you ever just gotten in the car with the family? Okay, we're going to go on a trip. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go somewhere. Who knows where you will end up with that kind of mentality because when you go on a trip, you have to prepare. You have to make sure if you're going to just go across town, you don't have to have a full tank of gas. But if you're going to go across the country, you better fill up, right? Okay? And so uh, there's this thing called planning and preparation for the journey. And let me ask you this question. What kind of journey are you on? 
What direction is your life going? When you're on a journey, again, you have a destination in life. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning because maybe, maybe some of you haven't really determined what your destination is. And the destination is not always a place, but it's more fulfilling a purpose that God has designed for you. And it has to do with eternity, not just this present life, okay? This present life is just a short, brief moment when you compare it with eternity. You can't even uh, measure it in light of eternity. It's not even an atomic second because eternity is forever. There is no end to eternity. And what you do, how you live your life here determines where you spend eternity, okay? So, what is your life goal? Do you have a goal in life? Or are you just kind of trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck? You know, just trying to feed the kids and pay the bills and, you know, just do the best you can? Are you living life aimlessly and without purpose? Now, there's a lot of people in that place, And that's why the world is as messed up as it is, because people are living life without a purpose. They're living life aimlessly, and they're they're confused, they're misled, they're making wrong decisions, and they're victims of a culture that has deceived them. Each day is an opportunity for you and I to grow and to experience more of God in our lives. There's an interesting passage because, you know, the the Bible talks about the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. In other words, God's mercy is really how he reveals himself. Mercy means love. It's his graciousness. It's what he extends to us because of our weakness, because of our shortcomings and faults. God's mercy is extended, and it's new every morning. It's fresh. It doesn't get old. Okay? Could you imagine... If every time you got up in the morning and you were going to work, you'd go into your car and it was brand new, like right off the lot, zero miles. It smelled new. And the door sounds different when it's new, right? I mean, and you get in that brand new car. Every day it's like brand new. Can you imagine that? But Now, that's not reality in the natural because things get old. They wear out in time. They rust out. In time, especially if you live in the salty roads of Wisconsin in the wintertime. So, but the mercies of the Lord are brand new every morning. They're fresh, they're alive, they're real, and we can encounter God's mercy every day. The scripture says in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. I love this. And, and now I'll give you a little backdrop. Lamentations is kind of a depressing book. Because it's talking about the rejection of God's people against the living God and the, the consequences they suffer in being banished to a foreign land in captivity. And it's, it's just kind of a, a sad book. But there's good things in that sad book of Lamentations because it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's steadfast. It's steady. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. He's faithful to you every morning. See, every morning is a brand new day. You need to start out, Lord, your mercies are brand new. 
And you're going to meet me at my point of need. You're going to help me through this day. No matter what difficulty or challenge I face, you're going to get me through it. Because your mercies are brand new. You're faithful to get me through this day. Okay? Now, you might say, well, that's kind of crazy thinking. But you know what? You need to capture this mentality to live the victorious life. Because it's available for every one of us. You don't have to live in depression. You don't have to live, oh, woe is me. Now, people suffer from depression. We're not denying that. But you can rise up above it and walk in the victory that God has for you. See, he, God, is extending to you grace and an opportunity to experience his life, his abundant life. John 10.10. I love this passage. And I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version takes it and amplifies it. It takes words and phrases, and it just expounds on it in a way that expresses a greater depth of meaning to the Scripture. Not to change the meaning, but to express it uh, in a more powerful way. So John 10.10, and let me just say this about John 10.10. We see two mission statements here. The mission statement of the devil And he's a real devil, and we need to contend with him and be aware of him because he's out to destroy you. And as it reads here, it says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. So we have an enemy. He's trying to hurt you, do you you wrong. He's trying to get you out of the race. He's trying to knock you off this planet because he's come to steal from you, to steal your joy, your peace, your finances. Uh, he's trying to kill and destroy your life. But Jesus, his mission statement follows. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So Jesus said, I've come so that you can have abundant life. Now, what's interesting about the word life, Zoe, in that particular verse It is actually translated as life at the level which God enjoys and experiences it. In other words, Jesus is saying to us, I have come that you may enjoy the kind of life that I live. That quality, the dimension of divine life, you can have. I'm sharing it with you, okay? And so that's a reality for the Christian, for the believer, that we need to come into understanding of. Now, Each one of us are in a special journey called life. A journey in which God has a special and unique plan for us. And let me just say this. Church is part of that plan. And so when we have this church, and this is one of our core values, church is part of that plan. Why can I say that? Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, this is something Jesus is building. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. It's Jesus' idea. So you might say, oh, the church, we don't need church. We don't have to go to church. You're wrong. You need to be connected to a church body somewhere. Plug in, connect, because that's where you're going to grow. That's where Jesus can build you up. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is is not a building. It's a people. And Jesus wants to build you up. Okay, so that you can withstand the storms of life and encounter that you encounter and overcome in this world, because there's a lot of things we have to overcome: depression, fear, temptation, 
It's out there. It's real. We don't deny it. It's there, okay? And so Jesus said he would build it. And guess what? He's already reserved a place for you to serve and be a part of his church. Every part of his body. You read 1 Corinthians 12, you understand that every member is significant in the body. You have a place, you have a part, you have a role to serve, okay? So now I, I could talk a little bit about my journey, my adventure. You know, when I signed up to be a Christian, now not that there was a place you could sign up, you know. Yeah, we're going to sign up for Christians, okay? Come become a Christian. You know, I mean, it was a heart connection when I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ at the age of 17. At that moment, when I got on this journey with Jesus, I had no clue what he had allowed me to experience and enjoy. I've been to almost 30 countries of this world. If I wouldn't have given my heart to Jesus, that would have never happened, you know. I mean, God's opened up so much to me. He gave me an amazing wife, beautiful children, family, congregation of people. Allowed me to actually stand up and minister and preach before you. And, and, you know, that was not my choice. That was God's choice. If I would have did the choosing, I would have passed myself by. No, I don't want to be a preacher. You've got the wrong one. In fact, I had some long, intense discussions with the Lord about this. I said, Lord, you've got the wrong guy. You, you, know, you know who you're talking to? He said, yeah, you, you think I? <laughs> yeah, you don't ask the Lord that. He, you know, he knows who he's, talk, he's talking to. Okay. But, but it's because I didn't see it. I was blinded to the vision that God had for my life. But when I got on that journey, things began to change. And I began to discover that, Lord, you want to use me? to be a pastor? You want me to go overseas and preach to thousands of Africans and see your hand of power and might move to bring healing and deliverance to hurting people? To actually see blind eyes open? I actually laid hands on a blind man and God supernaturally opened his eyes. I was shocked. God, you use these hands to do that? Or to do other things? It's like, Lord, this is a, an exciting journey. And, you know, some people have gone to Africa with me. And so I said, okay, let's get in there. And Dave and Jen and Josh and a few others. If you've gone to Africa with me, wave at me. If you, okay, if you out there, yeah, Missy over there. I tell you, I mean, you go there, God's going to use you, you know, in a powerful, mighty way. But these are all exciting things that we can be part of, impacting someone's in eternity. That such a powerful privilege that is. Um, see, we have this thing called GPS. You know what that GPS stands for? Some of you don't even know. Global Positioning System. Right? Um, that's what it is. Global Positioning System. But the Holy Spirit is a global positioning system. And he's going to guide us on this journey of life. Okay? See, um, and so I came up with a, a different acronym for GPS, um, God's Pathfinder slash Spirit, okay? <laughs> That's our GPS. It's God's Pathfinder. It's His Holy Spirit, an in internal guidance system. The Scripture tells us in John sixteen thirteen, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you. His role is to guide us on this journey of life, Okay? to help us navigate when we, you know, make a wrong turn so we can be recalculated and set back on the right way, get back on the right path. I don't know 
you know, those of you that lived before GPS, raise your hand. How many of us are out there? Oh, there's a, it's about a third of you, okay, half maybe at most. And so we used to have these things called maps and, and not what you have on your iPhone, okay, <laughs> a different kind of. It was a, actually a map you had to unfold or, you know, you could get the book that had all the maps of the state. And, and I, believe it or not, I still have one in my suburban. <laughs> Just in case the GPS fails, hey, I have something to fall back on. You know, because, you know, sometimes you don't always trust the technology because, and if it should fail, how many people would be stranded not knowing where to go and how to get there? You know, they'd be, okay. And so, yeah, including myself in some cases because I've relied on GPS way too much, okay? But it's good to know where you are, right? Where are you? Well, according to GPS, we're 120 miles from my destination. Okay, well, where's that? North, south, east, or west? I don't know. It's somewhere. Okay. Anyway, so I got four points for you today. Okay. You ready for the four points? The first one, and, and this is uh, the, top, the heading over this, is what does a journey that never grows old mean for us here at Refuge? What does a journey that never grows old mean here at Refuge? Number one, it means that we have a future that is secure. We have a future that is secure because we know where we're going. See, every journey has a destination, right? And, and the scripture uh, reference for this is Jeremiah 29, 11, And I'm reading this from the NIV. And this has become a passage that has given great encouragement to people that have been in a place where they've been maybe in a place where they haven't had direction and they've needed some encouragement. And this was actually declared to the children of Israel when they were about to go into bondage. So it was a dark time in their history, but God gave them this promise, and this is a promise for us as well, because the word is written in a way that we can, can benefit from its promises, because he's not a respective person. And so Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you. God's well aware. He knows the plan. But the question is, do you know that plan? And it's important to realize that God wants to reveal that plan to you. He knows the plan, but he wants you to know it too, okay? And then it goes on to say, um, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Now, this is the heart of God. He will, and the word prosper means to have a successful journey. It means to succeed in your way, okay? And so it goes on to say, plans to give you a hope and a future, And so, according to this promise, we are not without a future. And how many people say, I have no future? I spoke to a man, and sad to say, he committed suicide. Suicide. He ended his life. And it was so devastating to our families and to this church years ago. And I can remember him saying, before he took his life, I have no future. And he'd say it again, and I continued to, I shared this. People would rally around him, try to encourage him. But he believed that lie. I have no future. And so he ended his life. And how sad that story is. The fact is, you do have a future. Even if you don't think you do. 
Because God's promised a future for you. And once you understand his plan, then you begin to see the future, the hope that he has for you. See, this journey does not grow old because we're seeking truth, which I believe is an amazing discovery. The more time we spend in the Bible to seek God's word, that's how we're going to begin to even discover the plan and know his will for our life. When you're truly walking with God, there's a purpose. And there's a reason, I believe, that motivates us to endure, to keep on and not quit, not to throw in the towel. You know how many times that I've been tempted to quit over the years? Let's go sell cars, honey. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be good at that either. <laughs> wouldn't be good at that. No, uh-uh. <laughs> she knows it. <laughs> because I tell them everything that was wrong with the vehicle. I'm just too honest. You know? Yeah, uh, you're right here. This is you're gonna have a problem. You're gonna get, have to get new tires. They're pretty worn. Oh, and you know, it's kind of this needs to happen. You know, oh, there's a dent over here. Did you not notice that? Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just too honest. And you know, when I've sold a few cars, I, you know, because I, I don't want to misrepresent um, the sale anyway. But anyway, yeah, the temptation to quit. Yeah, it happens to all of us. We become discouraged, frustrated. And then we become blinded to what God has for us for future. And so that's where we look to him. Uh, number two, point number two. What does it mean for us as refuge to be a journey that doesn't grow old? It means that we are a travel agency to help people reach their final destination. It means... We are a travel agency to help people reach their final destination. Equipping people to succeed in this life and be prepared for the next. And see, that's why we share the gospel. We share the message of the gospel, which is how people can come into a relationship with Jesus, be saved and forgiven of their sins, and receive the gift of eternal life. Not to begin to live a life of do good, but to live a life that's surrendered to Jesus Christ and his lordship. And now, it's interesting, there's a story in the the book of Judges when the tribe of Dan were seeking their inheritance in the promised land. Uh, We we see a setting there where these people are saying, okay, this is what God's promised us, but there's still other people inhabiting that land, and, and we need to take possession of what God's promised us. And so... In Judges chapter 18, setting at verse 5, this is kind of in the midst of this chapter. You can read the whole chapter later if you're interested. Um, and they said to him, inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will succeed. Verse 6 says, and the priest said to them, go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of God. Or under the eye of the Lord. In other words, as they sought and inquired of God for the journey to see, is this the right path? Is this the right journey you're supposed to go on? That the conclusion was, yes, this is God guiding you. And he's watching out for you. He's looking out for you. You're going to succeed. Okay? And so as a church, as people in this body, we're helping others find their destination, find their calling and purpose, encouraging them any way we can so they can live out the purpose of God for their own life. Number three, the third point, what does it mean for refuge to be a journey that doesn't grow old? It means we are a church or community of believers that is pursuing Jesus. 
we are following Jesus. And see, that shouldn't get old, okay? Because every day is a new adventure in our walk with God. Uh, Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, the, the reason some of you haven't had a real enjoyment in your walk with God because you've missed the part about daily following Jesus, daily taking up your cross. Now, there, there's a lot of connotations with taking up your cross. What is a cross? Well, obviously, if you take it up, the cross is something you're free to pick up or free to lay down. Now, I'm supposed to love my wife. I'm supposed to love Deb, correct? You, you all agree? And, and, and so... Now, could that be a cross in my life? It could be if a relationship becomes difficult. But then I pick up that cross because after I've made the commitment to follow Jesus, and I follow Jesus through that situation. Or uh, let's just go to your place of employment. Anybody can clock in, put in the time, and maybe you're on salary, but if you have to, how many of you punch the clock? You know, you don't have to raise your hand. But... So you put in your time, you just employ, you show up, you do what you're supposed to do. Now, anybody can be an employee, but it's a cross to be a good employee. Because you've got to go the extra mile. You've got to make an extra effort. You, you pick up your cross, you have to put up with some things that you may not really like to put up with. But you just go the extra effort, you put the extra mile in. And, and so when I pick up my cross... In, Regarding my marriage, that means I'm going to love her as Christ loves the church. Regardless of, 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 of how I feel, oh, but my needs aren't being met, or how I feel, but it's putting the, press, the, the uh, priority and preference on my wife and loving her as Christ loves the church, being willing to sacrifice and give myself for her. You know, so it's, it's, it's taking me across. It's, it's like I will be faithful. Even when it's hard to be faithful, okay? Uh, some people think, well, this sickness or disease is a cross. No, you didn't, that, you're not free to pick that up or free to lay it down. So it's not a cross. See, people have misconfused in their doctrine. Oh, I just got this cross to bear in life. Uh, well, then if you don't want to bear it, put it down. But if you pick it up, then pick it up and follow Jesus, okay? All right, and then... Uh, we also see not only are we following Jesus, but we're walking with Jesus, and he's walking with us. You heard the story about the road to Emmaus, and, and you can read that sometime if you get a chance. It's found in Luke 24, 13 through 15. And here are these guys, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're go, going to the city called Emmaus. They're leaving Jerusalem, and Jesus kind of meets with them and starts walking with them. They didn't recognize Jesus, but he was with them. And he began to open up and share. And finally it dawned on them, hey, this is Jesus, okay? And, and in verse, in verse uh, 32, uh, these two guys said, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? So Jesus wants to reveal himself through the scriptures. And that's what he was doing with these two men. But he was walking with them on this journey to the road, on the road to Emmaus. See, his promise in Hebrews 13.5 is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's with us. So not only are we to follow him, but he's committed to 
be with us on this journey. So we're not doing it alone. You, you may feel like you're alone. You're not alone. You're never alone because Jesus Christ is with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Number four, what does it mean for us as refuge to be a journey that never goes old? It means that we are a community of believers on a journey whose lives are being transformed and where we are creating a culture that reflects the heart of God. See, we want people to experience who God is in his heart by what they see in us. The transformation that God does in your life is going to be reflected, and it will impact the people you come in contact with. And so, you, you know, we talk about culture. Refuge has its own culture. Culture isn't all bad. It can be good when it's godly, okay? And that's what we want. We want a godly culture that reflects the very heart of God. Now, if it seems like you're on a journey that's growing old, you ready for this? If it seems like you're on a journey that's growing old, it's not God's fault. It's not his fault. Either you're on the wrong path or you've been distracted by other things. And and Hebrews 12.2 says, we look unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus needs to be your focus no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through. And maybe he has at times, maybe he hasn't at other times. And, and we understand that, that every journey has a starting point. And that's what I want to talk about in this moment as we prepare to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you say, I've never really given my heart to Jesus. Um, maybe you've started out on your journey but you made a wrong turn. Sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we have to make a detour or we uh, have to deal with some road construction. Maybe there's a breakdown. Maybe there's an accident, a flat tire. Uh, Every journey has a starting point, but on that journey, things can happen. See, there's many things that can impede your journey in life. But the scripture tells us in Acts 4.12 that there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Salvation is through no one but Jesus. Acts 4.12, let's look at it. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's not Buddha. It's not Mohammed, sorry to say. It's Jesus alone that brings salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And so this morning, we're going to, in a couple of minutes, partake of communion. But before we do, I believe it's important for me to extend an invitation to you. Maybe you've come into the service, and and you really kind of uh, think you have this relationship with God, but there's some uncertainty. And the question I'd pose to you is, if you were to die, do you have assurance that you would go to heaven to be with Jesus? Do you feel that your life is right with God, that you made your peace with God, that if you were to die at this moment, you'd be ready to meet him and be welcomed into heaven? Now, let me tell you, if you've made your peace with God, if you've surrendered to his lordship, he gives you that assurance. You can know that for a fact. I know that as a fact, as a, as a spiritual reality, that my life is right with God, not because I've done good works or lived this holy life all my life, but it's because I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. 
He's the one who saved me. He's the one that died for my sins. I didn't die for my sins. Jesus did. And his gift of eternal life qualifies me to spend eternity with him. It's a gift. It's not something I worked for, earned, or even deserved. I didn't deserve it. No one does. But we receive it by faith because of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Acts 2.36, after the crucifixion, in Peter's preaching, uh, the, uh, he makes this declaration. He says, let all the house of Israel know Therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Whether you realize it or not, all of us had a part in the crucifixion. Our sins put him there. And we know that he extends to us his grace, his forgiveness. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now. We want to just... Extend the invitation. Maybe you're there and you say, Pastor, you know, I I really don't know that my life is right with God. But I want it to be. I sincerely want to be right with God. And I'm ready to repent and to turn from my sins and, and to leave a life that excluded Jesus and begin to live a life that includes Jesus. Are you living life apart from Jesus Christ? If so, this invitation is for you to say, Jesus, I want you to be part of my life. I want you to be part of my life. I need you in my life. I don't want to live life separate from you. If that's you this morning, lift your hand. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray this prayer as well together. And I call this a believer's prayer. Maybe you prayed this prayer before. For some of you, this may be a rededication, a reaffirmation of your faith in him. But whatever, let this prayer be sincerely from your heart and let God do a transforming work in your life. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I open my life to you. And I ask you to save me from my sins. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, there's no other name under heaven by which I must be saved. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I want you to be part of my life. I don't want to live without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. You can go ahead and be seated again. We're going to have the host pass out elements for communion. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, that qualifies you as a child of God. And, and, and the Bible says that old things pass away, all things become new. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there is a work of God in your heart right now that's transforming you from the inside out. It's His grace, it's His love, and His mercy at work in you. And as the host are passing out the elements, I, I just want to talk a moment very briefly about the significance of communion. Uh, most Christians around the world practice partaking of communion at church services. And this is something that Jesus actually instructed 
us to do. And when we do it, there's a, a, a framework in which, and a reference point that we need to consider. Because Jesus said, every time you do this, you need to do it in remembrance of me. It's calling to mind what Jesus did on the cross. It's calling to mind that he died for your sins to give you eternal life. And that he was raised from the dead so that you could be raised with him. Now, um, for communion, it's really celebrating this new life in Christ. And acknowledging what he's done for us. And I, I love Acts 5.20. Um, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Peter or to the, to the believers that actually they were arrested and then released. It says, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. That's what we need to do. We need to tell people about this new life in Christ. That's part of our journey that never grows old. If you have your, has everyone been served? You can remove the top tab and take the bread. You can hold it in your hand. And we're going to pray in just a moment before we partake. But 1 Corinthians 10, 16 makes this declaration. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? When we partake of this bread, we're acknowledging that we belong to Jesus, that we're partners with him, and not only with Jesus, but with each other. So it's important that we understand the unity that exists within the body of believers, those who are, have expressed their faith in Christ. It makes us one. And we partake together as we celebrate this new life in Christ, knowing that all things are passed away, all things become new. If there's hurt, there's heartache. When we partake of communion, God wants to do a work in your life to cleanse you from whatever is weighing heavy on you. If there's sickness, if there's affliction, if there's uh, broken relationships, God wants to bring his forgiveness on the scene as we partake together. Let's pray before we partake of the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread. And we acknowledge that your body was broken for us. You took the place for us so that we could live. You died a death so we could be raised to life as you were raised to life. Father, as we partake of this bread, we acknowledge and call to remembrance what you did for us. We acknowledge that you've made us a family of believers that can share life together and experience all that you have on this journey that never grows old. Father, as we partake of this bread, Bring healing to anything that's broken in us. Bring wholeness and restoration to our lives. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the bread. You can pull back the second tab on your cup. 
grape juice is representative of the blood of Jesus that would shed, shed for us. And the scripture is clear that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Old Testament, they would sacrifice lambs and goats as a type and shadow of Jesus that would come and shed his own blood to bring redemption to lost humanity. Blood speaks of forgiveness, which, apart from Jesus, we can't be forgiven. But he's provided forgiveness for us and has forgiven you. He's forgiven me. And we receive that forgiveness by faith. And by partaking of this cup, we acknowledge that we've been forgiven. There is a catch, though. You want to know the catch? The catch is, if you've been forgiven, then you need to forgive. In the moment we partake of this cup, before I'm going to pray, you need to purpose in your heart to forgive anyone that has offended you. Anyone that you have bitterness, resentment towards, or you just even despise. By God's grace, as an act of your will, you choose to forgive them. Why? Because you've been forgiven. And Jesus said, if we don't forgive others, that he can't forgive us. See, that's the condition. So when we receive forgiveness, we must be certain that we release forgiveness. The scripture tells us, forgive even as I've forgiven you in Ephesians 4.32. We love even as he's loved us, but we also forgive as he's forgiven us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. It represents forgiveness. Forgiveness for every horrible sin and thing we've ever committed. And your forgiveness empowers us to live this life on this journey that never goes old. And Father, we thank you that your forgiveness empowers us to forgive others. Father, we choose as an act of our will to forgive every wrong, every hurt, every person that's wronged us, that we're bitter towards, that we're resentful towards. Father, we choose to forgive them now. In Jesus' name. Now, before we partake of the cup, let me tell you, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Because you might say, I can't forgive that person. I don't feel it. No, you choose to. As an act of you, I choose to forgive. Your choice triumphs your feeling. It really does. Because when you make that choice, the feelings will come into line eventually. But let's partake of the cup and celebrate God's forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. I begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. And Father, we release forgiveness to every offense, every offender. In Jesus' name. Let's rise to our feet. We're going to worship together. Thank you so much for your attentiveness to the word of God. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.